2: UK Tech Weekly Podcast.
1: One more week gone till Christmas, but we've still got tech to talk about, and I'll have two editors to do it with this morning. I've got Scott Carey, editor of Computer World UK. Hello. And Karen Kahn, editor of Macworld. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing? I okay. am good. Uh, Karen I'm going to come back to you later because you missed out on last week's pod so I'm going to ask you what everyone should be buying for Christmas but I won't put you on the spot yet
0: (laughs) You could have warned me (laughs) I'll
1: give you time to think but first uh, just after this drum roll we'll be talking about the iMac Pro Karen as we record it is the 14th of December and for Apple fans that means they've got a shiny new iMac Pro to get their hands on
3: Yeah that's true Um, although the iMac Pro is not really for all Apple fans. It's very much a pro machine for pro creatives who are doing things like um, editing in Final Cut Pro and, um, you know, 8K red video drone footage in H.264... you know it's it's not it's not for your average user <laughs> you've, so you you know, you've you
4: already know. outlined that it's not for us <laughs> it's not going to be on your christmas gift guide
3: yeah if you're if even if you're like a massive gamer then you know it's still going to be overkill for you this is not a machine for your typical mac so, fan. so
1: yeah to clarify this is the brand new um standalone desktop rather than the mac pro cuz it can get yeah, a little bit confusing right um
3: so Basically, if we backtrack a little bit to April this year, um, Apple was being criticised by professional users who were saying, you just don't care about us anymore, you only care about the iPod, iPhone. And they said iPod then. (laughs) That's going back in front. We all deeply Um, care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, sort of accusing Apple of neglecting its traditionally faithful uh, pro users. And so what Apple did was it actually sat down with a handful of select journalists back in April. Yep and said, look, you know, we haven't forgotten about the Mac and what we're doing is we're developing a new Mac Pro and they talked about this iMac Pro. Mac Pro-wise, it's worth mentioning because obviously a lot of people right now are wondering what, well, you know, is the iMac Pro really replacing the Mac Pro? Probably for now it is, but Apple is talking about reinventing the Mac Pro as well. It seems that they kind of put themselves in a corner here with the Mac Pro. They couldn't update it any further, so it wasn't just users who couldn't update the kind of the trash can um, that everyone talks about (laughs) Apple couldn't either they were actually stuck they hadn't been able to upgrade it at all since 2013 so yeah they really needed to address that. Yeah, they got well, a lot... Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. No, you carry on. No, I was just
1: going to say that, yeah, you're right. They got a lot of um, bad press about the Mac Pro, which, as you say, wasn't updated since 2013. Yeah. And then it also got a £500 price increase around the same time Apple got a lot of flack for its yeah. so-called Brexit increases. Oh, but yeah. that, that is a lot of money to add to the price tag of something that's well, at the time was four and still is four yeah. years old. Um, so that's the user-upgradable kind of cylindrical um, tower yeah, not, that they not, sell. not
3: user-upgradable. Not user-upgradable. There, the there you go, there you go so then. Okay. It used to be the case that the Mac Pro was quite a sort of user... You know, users could get in there, they could add things to it. And when Apple changed it all with the Mac Pro that came out in 2013, that stopped. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Apple sort of suggested... Um, at least if you read between the lines in April, is that their new Mac Pro that they're looking at developing will be more user ac- uh, updatable because people want to be able to, um, like, I, there's a word for it, but I've forgotten it at the moment. But basically, you know, put things into the. Yeah, machine. be modular. Modular, that's the word I'm thinking. <laughs> Thank you, Scott.
4: <laughs> no problem.
3: Um, so, yeah, so right now, you have this in the future, this new Mac Pro that's coming. You've got the iMac Pro now. Um, the iMac Pro, the difference there is that it's not going to be user up- upgradable as far as we know. It yeah. looks, it, it, in fact, it, we had it confirmed that um, the RAM isn't... I mean, we knew for a fact that it wasn't accessible from the back. Well, it's, it's It might be service upgradable, but it's definitely not user upgradable. It's the kind of thing that would void your warranty and everything else. So what you buy is what you get kind of thing Um, and yeah the specs are very impressive you've got like 128 gigabytes of ram and (laughs)
1: it's insane (laughs) things you
3: you know the rest of us never use never need but the there are a few there are a few people who've had one to review and um you know these are people who are sort of creative pros directors photographers um you know app developers so on um and there there was one guy who was talking about a 200 to 300% increase in performance with his industry leading software using the iMac Pro so you know this this is this this Mac is going to make a big deal and a big difference to people like him and um, and
1: for simpletons like, like me and Scott, it uh it comes in space grey. You can't well, get a, <laughs>
3: you, you get can't sp- get a silver one. Space grey keyboards and, and
1: yep, you know which you can't buy separately.
4: Well, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like yeah, like users are getting a lot out of the box here and, and that is all you're getting is is what you're getting out of the box. But the problem that I envision again is that it'll be like the um with the Mac pro where you know four years down the line as we are now then it's it's not you know as as industry leading as it was and then you have to upgrade again so i I can see why people who who aren't able to upgrade it themselves are going to be a little bit reticent because they're going to think okay great this is a four-year purchase again um and i'm assuming these don't come cheap
3: no they're not cheap they're starting at well we we know they're starting at five Five grand in a in the states, five thousand dollars. iPhone 10s. Yeah, it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it could go up to. I've I've seen estimated about seventeen thousand yep. um, pounds. But that
1: will be all upgrading at point of purchase. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: if you've got the sort of his eighteen cores and you know one hundred twenty eight gigabytes of RAM and everything. If you put the whole so lot in, that's what you could be spending. And to be honest, the people who are reviewing these models at the moment, they've got all the RAM. They're they're looking at ten core. Um, so they're not looking at the fastest amount of calls you could have, but um, they are looking at pretty well spec machines. So the, yeah. the results they're seeing aren't going to you aren't going to get it for five grand either. So no. no.
4: So apart from being space grey, what does it look like? Is it an all-in-one? It looks, it exactly, looks like that. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so we have a, a recent iMac in the studio, and it's pretty much what it looks like. This the screen doesn't have any slimmer bezels or anything like that. You still get the black box outline. Um, you still get the, yeah the magic keyboard. Uh, yeah in, in gray and, and the, the, the trackpad as well the
3: screen on the 27 inch iMac is amazing and there's a lot yeah. of technology in there like you know you'll get you've got your 5k screen you've got um uh one of the things that they talked about when they announced the 5k um screen on the most recent iMac 27 inch iMac was was about 8k bits um color and how they sort of create a way of being able to see that even though it's not a true 10-bit display but obviously if you were looking to spend money on a display that gave you those features you'd be spending a lot more than you are spending when you spend your five grand and you get one of these so yeah um but as for if you are gonna need to upgrade it in the next few years then maybe you need to wait till next year and see what the Mac pro has in store
4: so what's this competing with? Is it like the um, the sort of the workstations from people like HP and those sort of high powered machines used yeah. by like visual artists and directors? And yeah, like
3: that? and Apple has lost a lot of um, customers to those those yeah. machines. So it is in some ways it it's like when they they sort of turned around in April and said, "Sorry, we've not forgotten you." It may have also been that they'd had a bit of a wake up call and yeah. that they needed they've sort of recognised they needed to do something.
4: Just by saying, We've not forgotten about you kind of suggests that they've considered that they might have forgotten about you. Yeah. yeah. And
3: I think <laughs> the fact that they let the Mac Pro go so long without an update because they were so stuck, it kind of suggests in a way that they, they don't really care that much anymore. And to yeah. be honest, in terms of their business, yeah. how big a part of it of their business is it? You know, it's it, you sort of wonder if they're doing this just to kind of keep in good books. Yeah,
1: because so. it, was, it was spun by the media that they'd, they'd forgotten about the professional market. But at the same time, that, that Mac Pro in 2013 was ridiculously specced. Mm. And perhaps it's a company that sort of looked at it and thought, we don't actually need to try and flog people another piece of kit another like a year or two afterwards. And then it just yeah. got to the point where Microsoft is pushing ahead with stuff like that Surface Studio. Um but it's interesting that the iMac Pro isn't trying to do anything new apart from be more powerful. It's the yeah. same form factor.
3: I think one of the important things about the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro back when they launched it in 2013 was it wasn't it wasn't designed for yeah average user like we said before, but it was designed to showcase Apple at its very best. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's the sort of the showing off, look what we can do, that makes other people think well you know maybe I'll buy another iMac not that one but Mm.
1: yeah and it's Apple finishing the year with a bit of a an upmarket flourish isn't it because Scott alluded to a very expensive iPhone 10 Mm. um, aimed at well Everyone's going to want one, but it is aimed at a sort of a, a more affluent market. The iMac Pro at five grand, potentially a Mac Pro coming, even though it's been delayed. A HomePod, which is going to probably be about four hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, is this Apple realizing that it has just got to go for the big ticket items again to remain successful? To
3: be honest, Apple's always been your sort of big ticket, expensive items. There's never been a time when Apple's ever been accused of doing anything cheap. Maybe the iPad socks, iPod socks. <laughs> <but> <laughs> we were talking about iPod Shuffle, here, maybe. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know they they don't they don't do do cheap they do like yeah. you know high cost high class
1: but, but i think re- i think recently and the tech press have got we've got to be picky about something and apple uh, for a couple of years has, has struggled to justify its prices perhaps and with the iphone design and and um again yeah not releasing a new mac pro but bumping the price up people sort of saying well what is my money actually getting me here and perhaps the imac pro is a bit more of a justification for those high prices because it looks like a bit of a monster
3: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's it it could be seen as a leap up from the the cost of a 27-inch iMac except that if you spec up a 27-inch iMac to its full potential, you could look be you looking at it. about 5 grand. So, um Yeah, it
1: makes sense for you what you're yeah.
3: buying. And sometimes they do you do have a sort of model in between two other models where you think that's kind of only there to justify the price of the next one up because who's going to buy the one in the middle? Yeah. You know, it kind of makes it not look as as big a leap in price but yeah i mean i guess they, they've priced it according to what they think people are prepared to spend spend and you know what everyone says the iphone 10 is overpriced but we you know people have bought one don't we so. yeah, yeah
1: exactly um well it's also um well we know that this is aimed at creative professionals but uh, even though we all have coverage on on macworld our colleague neil bennett for digital arts is out in California at the moment. No, not he, California. In, in New, New York, York, sorry, yeah. wrong coast. With Apple. Uh, with though. Apple. Uh, and obviously he, he writes for digital arts, so aims squarely at that market. So Apple isn't trying to pretend here that this is a hyper machine for, for word processing. No. <laughs> yeah. But it is, yeah, I don't but, know, yeah. It's interesting that they, they are sticking with not changing the form factor because the Surface Studio that I mentioned, you can you can pull down into a, basically a huge slate that you can draw. Yeah, touch it's got that weird... Um, the
3: dial.
4: Dial. Yeah. They were very...
3: Um, one of the things that I think it was phil Schiller talked about was why they um they didn't they weren't going to make it a,
4: a touchscreen.
1: Mm. i kind I, of agree with them on that
4: they do hey apple have always hated touchscreens so yeah um, they, um, they, in that way like um jobs hated styluses didn't yeah
1: <laughs> exactly yeah um and, yeah, the, the the touch bar on this year's MacBook Pro wasn't received too warmly. And no. I kind of view that now as Apple sort of trying to concede that they might be wrong about it. But to be honest, yeah, the MacBook Pro doesn't need a touchscreen. Uh, and the iMac Pro, by all accounts, probably doesn't need one either. It's
4: interesting, though, too, because like I've been, I went to an event with HP um, earlier this year and they were showing off their... Um, workstation um so that is basically the same thing It's yeah high-powered um machine for directors and visual artists and things like that yeah. and one of the things that whenever they did a demo of that machine they always used a stylus or a pen because they were like it's an artist they'll sketch their ideas out first and then they'll build up around that so i wonder if apple are kind of sort of spiting themselves by resisting the yeah. stylus in this instance you can always use like some wacom yeah, uh, I- tablets I- to input stuff into
1: Ma- iMac Pros. Yeah, but it, yeah, it is, it's kind of a gap in the in their in their market, I suppose that they're probably reticent to fill because they know that an iMac Pro is necessary for that com- kind of computing power. And then yeah. on the com- consumer side, they've got the iPad Pro, um, which obviously is not high powered enough to do anything that people with an iMac Pro are going to need to do.
3: No.
1: It's more like a transition tool. You can mm. can spend <laughs> still spend about a grand to yeah. carry around your digital notebook. It's kind of the classic it- <laughs> Apple
4: thing, where it's like. We will tell you what you need mm. rather than you tell us. And people it'd still just, use it, though. So. It'll be
3: interesting to know how, how in the future, the two will work together. You know, the Mac, the iMac Pro, the the iPad Pro. Yeah, and so. all the Pro so, you know, uh, tools coming together. Whether, yeah. the iP- the, whether the iPads Pro <laughs> could become <laughs> a sort of, you know, Wacom tablet sort of yeah. set up. Because that
4: you can make link it up with <laughs> some sort of hard storage like with a lot of cloud storage then you're fine if you have to pay uh, then Apple for your iCloud storage as well then you, you're starting to get really expensive although I
3: think mm. their iCloud their iCloud storage prices like, don't strike me as. I mean you get I can't remember what the price no I, the price I, I'm,
1: I'm like I for, tend to agree for with you it's
3: quite reasonably priced. yeah I mean all, all I pay guess. for at
1: the moment is just the, the 50 50 mm. gig but 79p a month yeah. mm. that's not actually too I bad two, I guess it's a professional scale
3: for, I think it's £2.70 something like that for
1: 200 gig yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um Yeah, I suppose just Google are getting one over on them by offering quite a lot for free at the moment. But that's only photo storage, so... Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Karen. Um, I must ask you, Karen, iMac Pro or... Oh, hell no. (laughs)
3: Um, I think iMac Pro, I think it sounds, from what we've heard so far, that it is going to be a good, you know, good machine with some impressive sort of results when we get our testing done. Yeah. Um, Obviously for ninety percent of us it's a hell no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there are definitely going to be people out there who who, you know, it would really make a big difference to them. So and maybe it's worth every penny if they get to go home on time. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> what about you, Scott? Well I mean, yeah, obviously it's not for me, so it should be an oh hell no, but also it does sound hello impressive for people that are actually going to use it in that classic sort of Apple way. So um I'll give it I'll give it an iMac Pro.
1: Cool. Positive here. We'll have to wait till next year to see what the Mac Pro looks like. So we'll be right back to talk a bit more about Apple, but first about Netflix. Scott, it's Christmas time, so brands are trying to be funny on social media. Who...
2: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything.
1: ruined it this week
4: (laughs) well Netflix um, very distinctly took a page out of Spotify's advertising book um, this week where um, Spotify very cleverly uh, I think it must have been last year it It might have even been earlier this year um, started mining a lot of their user data to do these clever sort of billboard ads where they would say stuff like to the person that played Justin Bieber's Sorry 60 times in a row what did you do you know (laughs) and like witty sort of data mined ads like that um, Netflix have sort of taken a page out of their book and they, um, published, uh, well, they tweeted out a load of similar things where, um, the one that got the most attention was, um, to the 53 people that watched A Christmas Prince every day for the last 18 days, who hurt you? And that was their, one of their most popular tweets of all time. It had sort of 340,000 likes, 86,000 retweets, yeah. which is a hella load of reach, uh, <laughs> in, um, sort of twitter parlance Uh, but the problem is that they they got quite a lot of blowback actually after this Um, a lot of people started um, saying how creepy it is that Netflix can kind of drill down into individual users viewing habits Um, also just for context uh, A Christmas Prince is a Netflix original movie that has just been released and it's about a New York based journalist that goes to Eastern Europe to meet a prince who is about to become king and interview him. And then they fall in love.
3: So is it a children's film? No,
4: it's like a guilty pleasure sort of teen (laughs) film, along like the Olsen twins style (laughs) of movie.
3: Because I I anticipated that, because some of the other things they were saying were clearly children's programs or films Yeah, more yeah. And you're kind B-movie of like every day yeah you know we have peppa pig on in the house online constantly time, yeah so you know what netflix needs to sort of look not netflix yeah netflix needs to look at you, you needs to allow for that yeah because people aren't really just watching it over and over again uh, we're think, talking yeah. about kids who just have it on i mean
1: surely the, or the obvious thing they've done here is, is is it's the medium so Spotify, they have those clever billboards, you're on the tube, and you go, oh, that's quite funny. Yeah. I would never listen to that song that many times. <laughs> uh, but then Netflix, they say something like that, and particularly the the Christmas Prince one. Yeah. For when I saw that tweet, I just thought, ooh, that's... I, I didn't read that as Netflix US, the brand. I read that as snarky social media manager. Yeah. It was like, "Oh, this will be funny. And I, I definitely just immediately saw, like, one person's voice there.
4: Well, it's and weird, because it, they're, they're kind of shaming their viewers. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, so it's shaming their customers in that way. And they're also... The other thing is they're they're kind of admitting that A Christmas Prince is like a guilty pleasure movie <laughs> by saying, like, who hurt you? Which is unusual for, yes. like, a oh, Netflix original. I thought that was original. a strange thing to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I definitely agree with you on the... um, it, it seems to have just been sort of developed by the social media team rather than maybe, like, an actual marketing yeah. um decision because even the responses got a bit weird. Like, someone responded um on twitter saying something like why are you shaming your users like this and they were like um like i think they responded something like if you want to talk to us about this don't worry like as in like mm. um like was it you that watched a christmas prince basically <laughs> and then they responded saying you don't have to look out for me you're not my mum and then they responded uh, it's okay sweetie and oh i saw that so, like, right? yeah that is just classic social media manager kind of misstep yeah uh, or just sort of pushing it a little bit too far. And, you know, brands on social media are generally pretty cringing. So that that, that was the it was thing. It's sexist and but insulting, it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, but the, yeah, I think the thing that I found interesting was how different the reactions to the Spotify version of this and the Netflix version were. And we had a little mini debate in the office about it. And I think it probably comes down to execution. It's like you said earlier, like a billboard... Is not going to get a load of angry tweets responded to it. So maybe people did find it creepy, but they didn't actually have anywhere to really voice that unless mm. they were going to make an actual formal complaint.
1: I think also it's just how um, people perceive the service that they pay for as well, because Spotify bases a lot of its stuff around algorithms, and it's trying to yes. help you discover new music, yeah. discover weekly, how else presented. It's like, hey, we're helping you out here. And I've never actually really thought about it being creepy, and I kind of... Um, actually use it quite a lot in the daily mix playlists that they do for you and things Netflix like that Netflix is the same though but uh, that's the thing Netflix is the same and it, and it um, gives you suggestions based on your yeah. viewing habits and stuff um, so why is it that people are finding it more creepy I I, I suggested data. that
4: maybe people are, are a little bit more defensive about their viewing habits than their listening habits mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any, um, any merit to that but I mean I would probably be more open no I wouldn't though because like <laughs> my Spotify like my Spotify habits, mainly because I share it with my girlfriend, like my top 100 um, yeah, songs of the year was like a horrendous mix of like terrible, terrible choices. So I yeah. wouldn't really want to share that with you. I
1: suppose it's the volume thing, isn't it? We, we, we don't really um, bat an eyelid about listening to a song 100 times in a year. But if you watch a film 100 times in a year, then you're mental.
4: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's
3: definitely it, I think. Yeah.
4: Um, the other thing about this um, is that, you know, a few journalists did actually sort of reach out to Netflix and just be like, by the way, like how many of your staff have access to granular viewing habit data? Because that definitely Mm. can be a bit creepy. Um, And they they didn't really respond. And Spotify did the same thing last year. They kind of just gave like a canned quote where they said, um, these are general viewing habit data and it's not down to like an individual user. So it's the old anonymized data excuse, which is fine, but like... Talk to any sort of data scientist, and they'll tell you that there's no such thing as anonymized data because you can definitely map yeah. everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah, to because like back to the user. We've
1: talked about it on the podcast before. You've bemoaned how Netflix refuses to release its um, overall yeah data. It won't say what its most watched so- show was and all that. Um,
4: but well, then- even the directors don't know. Yeah. So crazy. the director so then, of Okja, which is a um, I can't remember his name now, it's the Korean director. But he won't know how many people watched Okja, Okja this year. Yeah. All he'll know is like how well reviewed it is.
1: So do you think Netflix took that piece of information that they know that their public is annoyed that they don't release viewing figures, and then just teased it with some really quite personal tidbits? Yeah. Because they mean, don't. Well, they'd be like, "Oh, fifty-three people watched this. Yeah.
4: You're weird." But we're not going to tell you how many people watched it overall. Yeah. I mean, if you don't think that like Netflix are mining all of all of this data then you just like you you've got to be fairly naive about like (laughs) netflix as an organization because you know it's always been algorithmically driven um from from day one and that's that's part of its you know part of its appeal is that it gives you those personalized recommendations it's just because sorry go on i just
3: can say i mean personally i don't have a problem with netflix knowing what i'm watching and i think it makes sense because i'd like it to give me recommendations based on that but i think and with you know, it's, isn't anything new, but I, I just think it's their their whole sort of use of that data in a yeah. in a snarky way.
4: Yeah, snarky, shaming kind
3: yeah. of thing. So,
1: yeah, it's just a weird mix, isn't it? I was trying, I was trying to think of what other platforms do this, and I suppose we have like stuff like on this day from Facebook, but you cringe a little yeah. bit about what you did seven years ago, but no one else can actually see that.
3: Yeah, you don't have to share it.
1: Yeah, um,
4: I, I can't get to, I can't get too fussed by like these ads from Spotify and Netflix, because they're not calling out individual users. Um, and okay, if you did watch A Christmas Prince 58 times in the last 58 days and the ad kind of rubbed you the wrong way, <laughs> no one needs to know <laughs> that that was you. It's yeah. still private. So I think the reaction is kind of justified in that, yes, it's a little bit creepy, but actually it doesn't hurt anyone. So mm. it's just that kind of classic social media, like blowback reaction where it's all a bit of a tea cut yeah we'll have forgotten about it next week right yeah
1: (laughs) even though it is interesting to think about yeah um yeah i can't really think of any other apps that need to go out there and and brag about their user data because most of the time bringing that up is a bit of a it's just creating your own problems there aren't you
3: like when we talk about the next thing the user Mm -hmm. data is a big part of um i think apple buying shazam as
1: a a fine lead karen so i will quickly ask you that funny question um (laughs) Scott, data can kill or Netflix and chill? <laughs>
4: That's a good one. Uh, Netflix and chill.
1: Oh, Excellent. Uh, Karen? Yeah.
4: yeah, Netflix and chill.
1: Chill out, everyone. Okay, BRB, and we'll talk about Shazam. So finally, as Karen uh, intimated, we have Shazam being acquired by Apple. And Scott, you wrote about it this week.
4: Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting deal um, for, for many reasons, mainly um, because it's, it's Shazam is a, a very old UK tech company yep. so when a, a UK tech company um, with a brand name like Shazam gets acquired by a company like Apple um, it, it's it's very interesting but I found it more interesting um, thinking about what Apple would like to do with something like Shazam because it doesn't seem like a very natural fit so I kind of started to just ask some people and think about the the sort of synergy of um, Shazam and Apple and, and all I could end up coming back with really was, as, as Karen said earlier, the the user data that you get from Shazam is extremely valuable. But then mm-hmm. also the technology itself in terms of being able to uh, recognize a song from a snippet or recognize who the artist is or recognize what a movie is just from um, recording a short clip is all very useful for uh, Siri and yeah. especially Siri when it's embedded in the uh, HomePod, mm-hmm. um, which is the... Uh, Apple's upcoming version of Google Home yeah. and um the Echo. So, so- th- by embedding maybe Shazam in that you could uh be watching, you know, a movie and you could say Shazam what movie is this or Siri more likely what movie is this it will listen to a 2 minute a 2 second clip and it'll be able to say that is Jurassic Park and yeah. the actor speaking is this actor. Um the thing is uh Alexa already does this. So well, actually,
1: the, the Shazam is already used integrated into Apple's Siri. Yeah, when you, if you ask what song it's playing, it is actually Shazam that answers you. Yes, if it works. So it's already kind of integrated there. So, so the
4: question is, why did Apple pay four hundred million dollars to acquire a service which is already integrated? Mm, with, yeah, so it's got, got to be the data.
3: There are a few reasons, I think. Um, a, they don't have to pay Siri to. Uh, use the service every time it's used mm-hmm. also when so when anyone asks Siri what is this not Siri, well if they are Siri or Spotify what this, uh, Shazam even yes, what this, <laughs> what this else. song yeah. is, I'm listening to <laughs> um, um, it not only tells them what the song is it will also say you can buy it on Apple Music mm-hmm. you can exactly. also buy it yeah. on these other stores and well so now on. it
1: will only say Apple Music assuming well, yeah. it
3: will um, and will there still be an Android app and so on we assume mm-hmm. there will be but you know how's, how's this going to work um, the other thing that Shazam does is it 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 has that information about what people are listening to, whether they've asked it or not, yep. if, if they've got that turned on. So what that can tell Apple is more information about people's listening habits. So, like, at the moment, you can get your um, iPhone or iTunes or whatever to, to create a playlist for you. And they can be they can be quite good. They usually sort of base around a, a song and what it sees it as being in the same genre as that song mm-hmm. and so on. But based on your you, your listening habits, it could sort of say, okay, they like this kind of music, they like that kind of music, and they can get that more information from Shazam. So I feel that yeah. um, they can definitely develop that that further. Um, there's also, there's some stuff about how Shazam has some technology for scanning movie posters and other images to unlock, uh, yeah. unlock extras there. So I think there's some stuff about augmented reality. Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of
1: unfortunate for Apple that it's, it's so public, really, because everyone's going to be watching now for how they integrate it. Yeah. Because a lot of the things you just um, talked about, Karen, are something that <laughs> Apple's favorite enemy, Google, um, has kind of quietly already done itself. Google is like a complete monster at hoovering up little uh, startups and tech companies like and no one really notices, and then they implement it quietly into their products so the uh, the pixel two this year people did think it was slightly creepy, but if you've got the phone on a table, it hasn't always on display, so you can see some text and not always, but often it will know what song it's playing in the background and it'll just display it on the screen just in a very small little thing yeah um offline library of data um so you don't have to be connected um and then yeah, you can go and then listen to it on Spotify, buy it from Google, play music and everything, and then also Google lens um is quite good now. If you take a picture of something and tap lens, you can see what it will read the poster or, read, or look at the monument or whatever and tell you what it is. Yeah, and then you can monetize that because you can actually click through to
4: the shopping page yep, or whatever you can, Or phone, phone
1: them or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think
4: the, AI, the AR, augmented reality, sorry, um, synergy <coughs> is, is quite obvious because Apple have been really keen on this. They released their AR, AR kit, kit um, for, for developers and the iPhone X, uh, they've been really bigging up the AR sort of capabilities of it. So I think um, from that perspective, maybe the acquisition of Shazam becomes a bit more of an aqua hire mm-hmm. where they'll just sort of hoover up all of the AR expertise and the developers. And the
3: patents. Yes, and the patents.
4: Yes. Um, and just bring that in and then start to try and build on top of that. So that, and the other thing that I didn't mention earlier is the price is actually quite controversial. I was about was, to say,
1: when they valued at a billion. Yeah,
4: so in their last funding round, which was a couple of years ago, they were valued at um, $1 billion us dollars um and they have just sold for 400 million yeah um, which is a quite a hefty discount and so, that mostly comes down to just um valuations after funding rounds being completely overblown more than yeah it's true else.
1: it's the most apple spent um acquiring another company since can you take a guess oh i'll tell you the price and you can have a guess it's the most it's spent since it spent three billion in 2014 do you guys remember who it was? Sorry, I know I'm lording it over you. You'll kick yourself because you do, you do know Yeah, it, that's going to bug me. Oh, yeah. L-
0: Beats.
4: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice, yes.
1: Dre's Payday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, two two of their highest acquisitions of recent years have been to do with music. It's so, interesting
3: as well that apparently, I don't know if this is true, but Spotify and Snap were also interested in purchasing Shazam, so they, Spotify, the price okay. isn't $400 because there wasn't interest. I'm so glad Snap, Snap didn't buy it. Oh,
4: yeah. They'd have put it in spectacles or something. Yeah, it'd have been, it have been rubbish. <laughs> um, yeah, Spotify would have made would have made plenty of sense. They probably just got priced out in the end. Yeah, and most Apple likely. And Apple
3: obviously wanted to have the, those patents and all that technology. Yeah. so it'll be very I interesting to see if,
1: if the HomePod has been delayed for this reason, um, because they promised it for December. It's now just early 2018. Mm. Um, there's quite a quick turnaround to get this kind of technology in there. But it would be interesting because they they are positioning it and have positioned it in their keynote as a music
4: device. Yeah as opposed to a general smart speaker yeah and if you go on the home page of the apple website it, it mostly talks about apple music yeah
3: yeah it's it it just feels to me like they've really just missed the boat on that one yeah it's like to <laughs> to position the home pod i'm sorry we've changed the subject that's no, fine. No, fine you know to position the home pod as a music device is just going down the ipod hi-fi all over again and it's not as if that worked well for them and so what they're doing is they're bringing a home pod speaker at a time when all anyone cares about is like these smart speakers like the amazon and the google Mm. And they come out with this, and it's like people are just going to be like, well it doesn't do well." Yeah, and they're also unexpected. coming out with something
4: that only streams music from a streaming service, which has already pretty much lost the streaming service battle. Well, I was going to gonna say, yeah, it's quite bullish. It's and...
1: bullish of them. They uh, okay, they did the iPod and they had iTunes and ruled yeah. the world for a bit, but they they won't let go of this idea that everyone still should be using, like you say, Apple Music instead yeah. of Spotify. Because just I think it's just a, it's a curse that it's called that because I, they'll never get Android users using it. It yeah. is it is an
4: Android app. Mm but no one's, no, one's, no one's going to buy an Apple Music. <laughs> no, it will be interesting on that streaming service point. Um, and uh, to your earlier point, Karen, about um, like Shazam at the moment sort of directs you to Apple Music most predominantly, but it still goes to Spotify or Deezer or whatever, or Google Play. Um, we assume that they will just sort of start focusing on Apple Music, but those contracts probably are multi-year contracts. So I don't know if you can just tear them up probably just not. because you've been acquired by Apple. Yeah. Um, but with the what will happen is they'll probably run their course. And that will actually, that will hurt Spotify. It will hurt the competition because they currently, you know, they have 100 million um, active weekly users, I think, uh, Shazam, which is is tons.
3: We use 20 million times a day, apparently. I did, I still use Shazam.
1: I still, (laughs) I'm sitting in the pub, I'm like, what's this tune?
4: Yeah. And it's quite Um, streamlined now. And at the moment, you know, that's driving a lot of people towards Spotify. And then that's... um, that also ends up being affiliate revenue for both companies, so that 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 will bite them in the end. I mean, I don't know if it's too little, too late, but it, it's not inconsequential to mention.
1: It's kind of one of those apps that in the early days of me having a smartphone I just couldn't really believe that it worked I know it's like one of those magic things it was I was still, magic. still like wow it it knows is. it after yeah. 10 seconds and actually I was reading up and I didn't actually realise uh, Shazam predates smartphones um, yes and originally you had to call, text. call the number oh, hold yeah. your phone up your little Nokia up to yeah. the radio and it would text you what it was oh, actually, yeah
4: it was like I a four remember. yeah it was a four number yeah. service the charged, charged you to your posy you go <laughs> yeah it's phenomenal I mean it's a phenomenally old um, company and it's one of one of 14, 14 years or so yeah. maybe more maybe 15 um, and it's yeah it's one of those really good sort of UK tech stories and, and uh, you know a lot of people picked up on this headline but yeah it's another example of a great UK tech company moving overseas a bit like Arm did and yeah, Arm.
3: another UK tech company that Apple uh, bought was Siri yeah and yep. I'm sure that this is going to have some big impact in Siri and the development of that as well. Because there mm. must be some interesting stuff.
4: I, I imagine the Shazam team will sit with the Siri yeah. team. I can't imagine them sitting anywhere else.
1: Yeah. Well, in Apple Park, everyone sits next to each other now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're led to believe. Um, yeah, an interesting one. Uh, and Apple clearly not giving up. And I think it's it's a slightly wounded animal at the moment in the in the music uh, area and also in the smart speaker uh, arena because Siri just isn't as accessible. This is my personal opinion, um, or, or maybe quite as um, consistent with its answers as the other two. And the fact that the other two are now out there with household name hardware, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they implement it. Do you see this as something exclusive to HomePod, or are we gonna, we're going to we're going to have it all on Siri on on every device?
3: I'm sure it'll be on every device. Yeah. yeah. Um, I and I don't think they'll have anything really in the HomePod that represents this this merger quite yet. Yeah. But, um,
4: The the interesting thing for me is that they could have built all of this capability in-house without acquiring Shazam. So it got me wondering whether they were actually interested in maybe acquiring the brand, because it is a very well-known brand. Um, But that would mean that when you ask Siri what the song is playing, they should be leveraging, they'll say like Shazam. Says this, and that's like an added friction. So are they just going to fold it into Siri? And I just would it, imagine
1: it, they would fold it. Yeah.
4: So they, so then that would Siri be, was
1: acquired when it wasn't. It wasn't known. That company
4: wasn't famous. Yeah. So they would just be sort of bulldozing the sound brand in the end. You'd, you'd imagine they would. Yeah. I
3: suppose. I mean, that's how it's worked with Beats. Obviously, people see Beats as a you know, brand. How, yeah. Um, and back in you know back with FileMaker, boring, but you know <laughs> no, no. another one. Yeah, yeah. Part of part of Apple, not necessarily associated with Apple, but I think. I think maybe you know maybe yeah, Shazam will con- continue to be a separate entity, but definitely it's the patents that I'm yeah. sure... Yeah,
1: it sounds like it, yeah, technology,
4: data and talent. It's definitely yeah. not the revenues, because no. it only just started turning a profit early this year and, and it was minimal at that. So for yeah. for Apple, it's a drop in the ocean. This is
1: becoming more commonplace now, because to a lesser extent, Pebble were acquired by Fitbit and Pebble yeah. was folded, but then all the Pebble people now work for Fitbit. Yeah, it's an aqua hide. HTC, yeah, aqua hide, Um Tons of people from HTC are now at Google. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Consolidate. So, okay. Scott, Shazam or Sham?
4: <laughs> uh, Shazam. Yeah. Not the film with Shaquille O'Neal in it. <laughs> I've not seen that. <laughs> Karen? Probably on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shazam.
3: Shazam.
1: Okay, we're all up for this. Hopefully Siri will be a bit cleverer next time. We speak to it. Thank you both. Um, Karen, have you had time to think about what you'd recommend people buy for Christmas? What's on your Christmas list?
4: Uh, It's not HomePod. No, No, it would have been. (laughs)
3: And I think even if HomePod was out, I wouldn't be saying buy it. No. Fair Um, enough. Interesting. Uh, I I
4: love my Echo. I'm. We've already got one. That's the thing. I'm hoping to get a
3: new case for my iPhone 8 Plus. Nice, (laughs) nice. Plenty of cases. We've probably got one. My daughter keeps stealing it, and she's broken it. Basically,
4: (laughs) not the phone, the case. (laughs) Oh right. Sorry, that's better.
1: Yeah, that's Mm. the that's the right way around. Okay, cool. Keep an eye on MacWorld for all the news on the iMac Pro, and read up on Shazam at Computer. Oh no, it's in TechWorld. It It is in TechWorld. It is. So many brands. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you both for joining in. Uh, We might be back next week. If we're not, have a great Christmas.
4: Thank you very much.
0: Happy Christmas. Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone.